0: Hi, I'm Al Lowe, and I'm listening to Adventure Game Hotspot. Welcome back, or welcome front if it's the first time joining us. I am Joshua. As always, we have Jack up on the top left. That's me. And we have uh, other uh, uh, other friends here. We have, it's a full house. It's a full house. We have Jeff and Matt. How are you guys doing?
1: Doing well. How are you?
2: I'm doing great. I'm feeling awesome. I love to talk about adventure games. <laughs> well, you come
3: to the right place.
0: <laughs> well, you ask how you ask how we're doing. Uh, I'm doing better than Jack. Jack, how's your how's your day been? Yeah.
3: Uh, totally uneventful. No, it's just we had like the storm of the winter, a really rare storm. They call it. It's even got its own name, a thunderstorm. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it was it was really neat. There was lots of lightning. I didn't hear any thunder, but I saw lots of lightning. But so, it's, and it's really wet. So um, so we got like a foot of snow and it was just a nightmare to dig myself out uh, today. So it ended up taking four and we've got a plow, but like the plow would just take the top layer off and just pack the bottom layer down because it was so wet and so heavy. So we ended up like four guys working on it and like three guys scraping up the bottom layer and one guy running the plow. So anyway, (laughs) I'm going to sleep well tonight. I can tell you that. I think it's. I may Canadian... need a winch to get me out of bed tomorrow, but. Uh...
0: <laughs> I think it's cute that the Canadian guy talks about thunderstorms and immediately follows it up with snow. You know? Yeah, <laughs> so we have this thing called oh, lightning storms. And- did I say thunderstorm? Yeah, no, it's say. called
3: thunder snow. That is oh, the yeah. official name. Oh, thunder
0: like snow. Okay.
3: Thunder snow. Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like the rainstorms in Canada is just like buckets of snow.
3: <laughs> snow. <So laughs> Actually, the- Toronto doesn't get a lot of snow. We're we're sort of in a nice little pocket that sort of protects us from the worst of stuff, but there was no protection from this sucker.
0: Well, we called in the big guns to help us out because we're going to be talking about adventure games that we are excited about. We are doing a a column on Adventure Game Hotspot, about 33 adventure games that we are excited about. Just put a lot of work into that, uh, along with everybody, everybody else around here. So we're going to get into some of these games today. But before we do that, Jack, tell us about the week that was in Adventure Game Hotspot while well, Matt tries to navigate his
2: microphone. With his Sorry. Board.
3: It's been a couple of weeks since we did a uh, podcast last, so like, there's lots going on, a lot tons of yeah. reviews. We did Unusual Findings, a real uh, retro uh, 80s-tinged thriller. Uh, we did a dark comedy uh, called uh, Whateverland, which I know, Joshua, you and I uh, were really excited about. Um, it looks exactly like my kind of game. So, And finally, uh, much later than I wanted to, we did our review of Brock the Investigator, but, see, sometimes if you procrastinate long enough, something becomes relevant again. So Brock is coming out on consoles, uh, I think, either just did or is about to. So, yay, we're relevant again. So uh, so that worked out. So, um, yeah, we did lots more, too. But you got to go to the hotspot to uh, read all the rest of the stuff. A um, couple interesting things. There's, uh, like, news-wise, this week, there's a Kickstarter for Randall's Tuesday Um It was like 10 years ago we got Randall's Monday. So this is actually a prequel, even though it happens on Tuesday instead of Monday. But anyway, so they're on (laughs) Kickstarter or coming to Kickstarter. I forget. There's so many games rattling around in my head, I forget. A new game called The Altars, which I know we're really uh, um, keen about. We'd probably be talking about it today if we knew more about it, but it looks really, really amazing. And a game that I think looks like a whole lot of fun called The Holy Gosh Darn. (gasps) Well, excuse my language, but uh, this is from the creators of Hellheim Hassle, which was really clever, uh, innovative game. So, uh, you know. so
0: yeah, we're going to go around the room. We're each going to talk a little bit about some uh, some games that we pre-chose that we would like to discuss. And so, since Jeff has probably put the most work into this, uh, let's go ahead and, and start with. Uh, actually, I'm going to go last. So let's go around the room. We'll go from from left to right. You know clock stuff <laughs> uh, let's start with matt how about that matt you go first oh what game uh, are you
2: looking forward to <laughs> you know i'm i'm looking forward to uh the the game old skies um from watcher die games oh
3: damn that's that dave, yeah. Yeah.
2: dave <laughs> ron
0: gilbert guy
2: yeah ron gilbert's <laughs> younger brother <laughs> 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 um, no, uh, yeah, I mean, Dave Gilbert knocks it out of the park every time, and you know, I've loved a lot of the Watch It On games, not all of them, but a lot of them. I've loved everyone that Dave Gilbert specifically um, was the, you know, main writer and producer on, um, or director on, rather, like Blackwell, and like Unavowed was such an incredible game uh, that I just, I, I can't wait to see what he does with Old Skies, whether it's, he's going to, you know, bounce sort of back to just traditional point and click, or whether he's going to do the things he loves to do, which is, uh, switching between characters in unique ways. Um, and it's supposed to be time travel, so that could add a whole lot of other weird innovations. I don't know. I, it, it just looks incredible and the dude's got an impeccable track record. Mm-hmm. He really does. I'm
3: taking some chances this time. This isn't your your standard Wajedi game. They're doing some different things. So, you know. Yeah,
1: and I, I get the impression that there's gonna be a lot more sort of uh black humor to this one. It's gonna there's gonna be a lot of humor in the sort of the um what what he described on the podcast when we're doing the live stream. He said that you know a lot of the humor is going to come from the mundanity of her job where she's like a time travel tourist agent (laughs) and i think that's a really cool concept and i think that um someone had said something about how Mm -hmm. it's it's time travel as a consumer service so i think there's definitely some uh rich material there for uh a lot of uh satire
0: and it looks great i mean it it looks great you know we know him for being like the, the the new the old new pixel art guy, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, now yeah. he's, he's kind of moving away from a little bit of the pixel arts. And so he, mm-hmm. he always does great dialogue. So you couldn't mm-hmm. go wrong. Oh, couldn't yeah. Go wrong. Right. With that. That's a great choice. Great choice. I, I think that's going to be a, a huge one for, you know, everyone's kind of has that on their radar for sure. So I'm glad you touched on that.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So me, I kind of lost track of who you were saying was going to go next, but uh, okay. All right, I'm going to lead off with uh, The Expanse, a Telltale series, which I think uh, is a really ironic name uh, because Telltale is not actually making it. Um, It's being made by Deck Nine, who did a fantastic job with uh, Life is Strange True Colors. So, um, yeah, I think they've really proven their chops uh, when it comes to making sort of narrative heavy games now i don't know um, the expanse franchise it's you know futuristic sci-fi you know earth and mars and like asteroid belt scavengers are sort of all warring together and stuff like that so that's not what um drew me um i've never seen the show there's there's a tv show and a series of books uh now i got my commitment to this bit was I actually watched the very first episode last night. So that is how committed I am to making this podcast a success. Of course, it had nothing to do with uh, the game because the game is set before the show, Um, but it was interesting. Um, But the thing is, though, like uh, with no fanfare at all, they kind of leaked, Telltale leaked out a, a sort of gameplay video, which, again, is sort of ironic because Telltale games don't usually have any gameplay in them. So... But this one does this one actually looks like an actual game um you know there's exploration and there's zero g expo- uh exploration so you got to navigate um you know sort of i don't know derelict spaceships or whatever and walking on ceilings and walls and stuff like that so yeah it looks really interesting so and it's an actual game yay <laughs> so maybe there's just a future for telltale yeah so, you I know beyond I- just choose you know whether Joe Blow lives or dies, and and then do a quick time event, and that's it.
0: You mentioned uh, gameplay. I
3: think that's exactly what.
1: Sorry, go ahead.
0: No, no, uh, I was just gonna say you mentioned gameplay, and and Jeff, you might actually know this a little bit more than than I will. Are, are, is it going to be kind of like their Sam and Max style game Because that's the only thing I could think of that, of Telltale that had gameplay. Is it going to be a typical like a uh, like adventure well, style? Well,
1: like Jack was saying, you're going to have a lot more freedom of movement. You're going to be able to use different tools at your disposal. I think there's going to be a bit more mechanical elements to it, which is definitely a breath of fresh air to the old Telltale formula because I think that's something that we really enjoyed when we first saw it with Walking Dead, Wolf Among Us, etc., and their other licensed games. But it was kind of... It kind of, by the end, became a little bit of a tired formula. They weren't really pushing it forward. So uh, I, I definitely think that they've, you know... I think it's you know a lot of new people that they've learned the mistakes from the old Telltale, and it seems like they're determined to uh, not make them. So,
3: well,
2: I I will say that um, towards the end of Telltale, I don't know if any of you guys played the Guardians of the Galaxy Telltale game. No, mm-hmm. oh, that's what um, I missed because
1: it's hard to find anywhere.
2: Yeah. Oh, Did I it. won't. I won't explain how I found it. Uh, but uh, it has an expanded tool set um, much like it seems like the Expanse does where you know uh, you play, when you play Star-Lord you have a lot of, his suit does a lot of different stuff, there's a lot of different functions um, to all his little gadgets and stuff but it was so limited in where and how you could use them and yeah. I feel like Guardians of the Galaxy is about when people's fatigue uh, with Telltale games started yeah. to set in and mm-hmm. um, so, I, my my hope would be the expanse gives you a little bit more of that freedom.
1: Well, you got to think that uh, you know the, the the vast majority of Telltale's output was all licensed material, so you already have kind of a niche audience built in. You you know, mm-hmm. uh, I will say I was introduced to some uh, big franchises through Telltale's games. Like, oh. I don't think I was really a Game of Thrones fan before I played the Game of Thrones season. And uh, uh, same with Wolf Among Us. I wasn't familiar with those franchises, but I think that when you start out, they really kind of only appeal to, you know, fans of that particular franchise. So hopefully it'll bring more people on board to those franchises rather than, you know, put some people off.
2: That Game of Thrones one was heartbreaking. It ended oh, on such a big <laughs> cliffhanger and will never,
1: I know. we'll never, ever we'll see, see it. The end of it. You know, maybe they'll, maybe they'll somehow manage to get the rights again. And Game of Thrones is coming back, so I don't know.
2: Who knows? Well,
0: this game's going to be a sci-fi game, so anytime you have sci-fi, it's, it's limitless as to the types of things that you could do, you know, because <laughs> it's sci-fi. So, Jeff, what do you got?
1: Well, speaking of sci-fi and uh, narrative multiple-choice adventure games, uh, I have uh, Directive 8020, which is the new uh, game, the new horror uh, interactive horror movie from uh, Supermassive Games. It's part of their Dark Pictures anthology, which uh, if you guys are not familiar with, it's a more of a, a, a smaller, like four to six hour, um, one sitting gameplay kind of chunk that's uh, a movie where you get a, um, a cast of protagonists and your decisions decide whether they live or die by the end. And any number of them, zero to <laughs> you know, how I could survive or die. And it's the same studio that gave us Until Dawn uh, for PS4 in 2013 and then uh, the quarry. And it's basically the exact same kind of gameplay, exact same kind of presentation. They're just a little bit smaller scale games and they kind of pump them out a little faster, like every six months to a year. Um, This one is going to be their first foray into um, sci-fi horror though so I'm really excited about that. It kind of gives me some the very short teaser that we've seen kind of gives me some stylistic overlap with the Expanse where it kind of has this sort of um, you know dark claustrophobic uh, you know astronauts in in a space station kind of vibe to it so I'm excited to see what they do with it. Like and
3: this is they're calling it their season two, uh, yeah, season two premiere, so it's interesting to see if they do tweak the formula at all. I like yeah, they're they're very this is what we do, this is how we do it, yes. and they change the settings, and that's what makes it interesting. But you know, why call it a season at all if they're not going to change anything? So I'm well, curious. Their season if
1: one took like what two three years to complete, so it's not really it's a very arbitrary delineation. Yeah, but they have been adding small sophistications to the formula as they've gone on the most recent one um the devil and me had um had like jumping mechanics each character had their own small set of abilities but again it kind of amounted to nearly identically the same as the other kinds of uh mechanics
0: all right so i guess i'm up next uh, we went from three games that we know a decent amount about so i'm going to i'm going to offset mine my with uh, we're, we're, I'm going to talk about Tintin which we know so little about but I will say that everybody loves Tintin it's it's an iconic IP and Pentalus Studios like it's a hand drawn yeah. game which we don't see enough of it anymore we do not see enough hand drawn games and not only that just on a personal level I love anything Egypt anything mm-hmm. if I, if there's an adventure mm-hmm. the first thing I think of okay we're going to it's I think of adventure Egypt Archaeology, mm-hmm. I think of all that, and so we have that. It's called the cig- the Pharaoh's cigar.
2: Cigars cigar of the
3: Pharaoh. Pharaoh. Cigar. Okay. Yeah, it's Tintin reporter cigar, cigars of the Pharaoh, or something.
0: Which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. So no. I'm intrigued. Like I, I, I'm <laughs> I'm 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 sucked in. I want this game to uh, to to be the next big big Pendulo games, but this is is it Metro? Uh, what's what's the the studio that's working on it along with Pendolo, is it? Um, Microids? Microids. Microids. Well, I want to see what the dynamic is between
3: the two of them. What do you guys think about well, this? Well, we've seen that when um, the Alfred Hitchcock Vertigo game. Oh, that
0: was, they worked together with Vertigo, did they?
3: Yep. Gotcha. So, unfortunately, I haven't played that one, so I have no comment on their success, <laughs> but it seemed to be pretty well received. Hmm. But, like, did I just miss... How did Tintin get to be this popular... Like, in Europe, I can understand, but, like, I've only ever seen the movie, like, the animated movie that came out, I don't know, it feels like about three years ago, but someone will tell me it was really 10 or something. Yeah. Like games that's it. it. That's all I know But like in the, the hair. That's that's it. The that's games. my sum total knowledge of it's been going for like seventy years or something like
1: that. I, well I know, yeah. It. Well
0: it's a comic I, I strip. I can't
1: say I'm super yeah. familiar with it. Uh
0: yeah, it's a comic strip, but then they've also had like a recent game that came out about three years ago and it was a big seller. Surprisingly oh, yeah? in the US it was a it was a big seller. And it wasn't a, a, a typical or wasn't an adventure, so it's a completely a completely different style of game but that really did uh, rejuvenate uh, the uh, the the love of Tintin especially
2: in the United States so i'm actually surprised that Tintin isn't bigger in the United States i mean it's yeah i mean it's like this intrepid boy reporter going on these globe spanning adventures with the yeah, dog. They're
1: missing, they're missing a dark uh, reinterpretation like Riverdale did with Archie Comics. <laughs> right. That's what we mean. He's, he needs to be on the, tra- the trail of a gruesome serial killer.
2: Encyclopedia
0: have to... Brown finds the <laughs> dog's mess.
2: <laughs> you, have, you have to deal with a little bit of um, ooh, very old timey racism when you read Tin Tin Comics. Mm-hmm. But uh, those comics are beautifully drawn and uh, it's. It's such a good fit for adventure games. It um, is, yeah, yeah. Secure, yeah. A, a bright little kid who does adventures everywhere mm-hmm. in the world. Well, I
1: wasn't clear—is he a little kid? Because he's also a newspaper reporter, no, right? He's a
2: kid, though. He's a kid. Okay. A, I mean, yeah. I, I would
1: have assumed he was a kid, but then when I saw he was a newspaper reporter, I was like, okay. Maybe, oh, uh, maybe Belgium <laughs> child labor laws are a little lax. I don't know.
2: It's a <laughs> yeah. situation. No. If he's an
0: adult, he's got that Matt jeans in him.
3: <laughs> yes, very much. Yes. Lucky guy. Great haircut, too. Yeah. yeah, when we do our next like, what actor should play what? Well, I'm going to nominate Matt to play uh, Tintin. Play
0: Tintin.
3: <laughs> Just Can you get your hair to do this really goofy thing? <laughs> There you go.
0: <laughs> Speaking of Matt, you're I'm up next.
2: I'm up next. All right. I'm going to go with, uh, for my second game, The Invincible. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. it a lot is of sci-fi. A, <laughs> yeah, another sci-fi game. You know, it's a, uh, looks like a first person, one of those, um, we don't call them walking. No, do Oh,
3: yeah, I thought you were going to go there and I <laughs> might have exploded. <laughs>
2: We call them first-person, story-driven, narrative adventures, Exploration
3: games, yes. Exploration games, yeah. In which you walk occasionally.
2: (laughs) It's very, uh, it looks very Firewatch-like. It it looks like um, it has a real, like it looks like it has a mystery that floods through it. It looks like you're in constant contact with some person on the outside who's uh, leading you through the narrative. Um looks beautiful.
3: Oh, gorgeous, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: it's, based on a, it's based on a novel from 1964 by Stanislaw Lem, which I've never read the novel. Uh, but... When he's hey, the, the
1: author of Solaris, right? Which is yep. a, a big... Uh, is he? Yeah, a big sci-fi work.
2: Um, but yeah, I mean, you're basically just... You're exploring a planet, and the planet turns out to be more hostile than you originally thought it it just looks it looks like i've been i've been wanting a uh one of these exploration games to knock firewatch from the throne or at least share the throne with firewatch um because i feel like while we've gotten a lot of really cool ones we haven't gotten any that do storytelling on that same level that firewatch did and i'm
0: what about kentucky road zero
2: yeah, it, but Kentucky Road Zero is just so different. That's true. You know, know really that's like good. a, that's oh, like what a, about weird, a long
3: poem. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Hmm. That doesn't rhyme or make any sense. Um, <laughs> oh, oops. Did that slip out? Did I say that out loud? Some oh, some of those sorry. That's
2: ironic yeah. poems. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Are you yeah. on, fi- on Firewatch, Jack? What's that? Oh, wow. Are you trashing on Firewatch? No, not Firewatch. Oh, uh, okay.
3: Kentucky Road Zero. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I enjoyed Fired Wild. I had no idea what was going on with Kentucky Roots here. But I played, like, each episode as they came out. So, like, I can't remember what I played last week. So, like, what what did I do three years ago the last time I played? Uh, Forget it. So I was (laughs) lost. But anyway, speaking of storytelling, that segues into my next one. Uh, I'm going with Harmony, The Fall of Reverie, which is the next game from Don't Nod the creators of Life is Strange. So that's what we all like get excited about. Like, oh, don't nod. Life is strange. But I'm gonna admit to a little bit of apprehension too, because they haven't exactly wowed me with Tell Me Why or Twin Mirror uh since their big hit with Life is Strange. So uh the pressure's on. They gotta come up with a hit. But anyway, like it looks really fascinating. I, like a, a really unusual story of sort of uh Psychic woman can sort of like exist in two different worlds, and uh, the choices she makes um, in the other one affects this one. And she has to like there are goddesses called aspirations of I forget like glory, bliss, power, chaos, bond, and truth. So they're all very associated with um, the attributes they're named after. So. You know, who you choose to align yourself with very much uh, impacts the story and stuff like that. But the other key thing is a real difference um, in the visual production. Um, yeah. Life is Strange and just the other ones have all been fairly realistic. This one, not at all. Very much uh, sort of animated film, um, kind of hand-drawn stuff. So, like, a really interesting switch, but I'm uh, looking forward to it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's got sort of a uh, like a Studio Ghibli or like Avatar anime yeah. kind of presentation, and I think I'm most excited to see them kind of move away from the the magical realism, like like you know sort of mopey teen with superpowers kind of thing <laughs> that they've been doing for their last couple of games, and True. and just lean into the fantastical elements completely. Where we're going to see a, a whole fully realized fantasy world. And is, does anyone else from Jack's description think that it kind of sounds a little bit like *The Longest
3: Journey*? Yep, definitely.
0: I thought about that, but I could see it. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I, I, I've yeah, always I, thought that, that might be a, an influence on *Life is Strange* too, because those two have similarities as well. So.
3: Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think the the heroine in this game actually travels to another world. It's like a psychic projection through some kind of like board game or something like it's a really interesting yeah. setup they get a lot of you know neat ways yeah, there's
1: going to be some like role-playing elements beyond just picking your dialogue but maybe you're also going to kind of have a, a loose like character build sort of thing but i hope so like rpg
0: yeah. style is is that what you're
3: doing?
1: Yeah. we don't say that word either oh, okay. yeah, sorry. <laughs> oh i don't mind that
0: yeah uh action based Dice rolling-esque
3: uh, <laughs> Not like that. <laughs> you just disguise. like, role-playing is fine. RPG sounds like a different uh, does, genre. You know, it's just role-playing, that's fine. We all role-play in an adventure games.
0: So mine's going to be
2: the last, did you have something to say real quick, Matt? Oh, no, no, no. I was just going to say, uh, I was just going to stick up for Tell Me Why for a second. I really liked that game. <laughs> um,
0: I never played it. Go for
2: it. Very, I mean, it telegraphed. It's, I think, one of the things people had trouble with it. It, it sort of, there was a couple slow chapters. Um, there was like a digression around chapter two where it felt like you were being pulled away from the story that they wanted you to be on just to fill time. Um, mm-hmm. and the main mystery was pretty much telegraphed by the end of the, you, you kind of knew what was coming. You knew the big twist. But it felt like it handled a lot of the subject matter in really, like, mature and surprising ways. Like, it wasn't just... Um, like, it was dealing with a lot of very sensitive issues of gender identity and things like that, but it wasn't doing it in that I didn't feel a very preachy or... Uncomfortable. Uh, or uncomfortable. It wasn't going either way, right? It wasn't, it wasn't very heavy-handed. It was just treating all the characters like real people mm-hmm. who were complicated and had multiple facets to them. Mm-hmm. I really liked Tell Me Why, to be honest.
1: And I, I kind of always got the impression it was sort of their pitch for Life is Strange 3, but then they kind of lost the license that they created because Square gave it to Deck 9, I think. So oh, I kind okay. of got the impression that, well, I'm. I'm that's pure conjecture, but it, it, sure. feels, it feels like it's in that sort of ove of Life is Strange, you
0: know. Right. right? Well, you mentioned that as a, a mature way of telling stories. I'm gonna go with uh, my next game is gonna be the opposite of that. It's The Last Worker, so this okay. is an adult comedic. Uh, is it? Think of Amazon, like merchant warehouse. That fulfills tons and tons of, of orders every single month, but their AI system has taken over, and you are the last worker. Beautiful, beautiful colors and everything. He's—it's an absolute gorgeous
3: portal-style game. And I'm glad you said it, so I didn't oh no, have to. I mean,
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm almost certain that they would call themselves that. I mean, I'm sure they
3: would. Yeah, I just did not want to be the one to have to label it that. So.
0: Oh well, and and it's one of those games that is a more modern style adventure. You're walking, you're moving your character around, you're teleporting things, you are opening doors, not just with your hands, not just using you know your mind, but you're using items that are uh, like in Portal. Everything about that was a puzzle. But you're going through portals. You're moving, uh, how do I get through this door or through this wall? Or and that's what we're going to have for this, except it's going to be funny. It's going to be, <laughs> like, a fun way you, to to spend some time. What do you guys think?
1: I think it looks, yeah, it looks amazing. It looks like some great um, some great uh, satire and some a really cool art direction. It kind of gives me, like, that rotoscope sort of Borderlands sort of vibe to it. Borderlands, and the, that's
2: what it was. Yeah, that's what, yeah. Is that just... Is it cell
1: shaded? Cell shaded, that's what I is meant. Is that not, how it's not, yeah, not really it right.
2: looks cause it looks cell shaded, but it also looks much more vibrant than you normally yeah. see with those I, kind I of
1: games. I mean, or... I'm not I'm not an animation expert, so I forgive me if I'm using the wrong terminology. It's kinda like rotoscoping.
2: You know, just with you know, yeah.
0: it's kinda like The Last Express. Mm-hmm,
1: so. Yeah, I mean it looks it looks gorgeous and it looks like um oh the the voice cast uh yeah. is phenomenal too. Jason Isaacs is the little Uh, smart alec robot Uh, looks hilarious so is it, is it really a portal like, or does it just kind of have some aesthetic similarities to it's, portal? Uh,
3: you've got a gun well, that you're, uh, you're does like gun physical in. interactions and right. stuffing, you know, and
1: yeah, I think it's pretty very. Are you creating portals and moving stuff around? No, are uh, not I'm creating thinking.
0: portals, but you are moving oh. stuff around
2: with them. You're doing it. Okay. You have a physics gun. <laughs> you right. have a gun that yes. does physics. Yeah, that's.
1: That's yeah. definitely portal esque yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, portal esque. That's in. And... <laughs> And I was watching one of the uh, one of the the big games convention or something where One of the developers was definitely saying that he was inspired by Portal. So mm-hmm. uh, he said it himself. We're gonna go with that. So <laughs> one, one more thing about
1: that, I've noticed it, it continued when I was putting this list together um, and, and looking into some of these games. Um, that that one, along with a, a number of games on this list, that I've noticed uh, have a theme of sort of um, anti-capitalist, sort of uh, leftist, uh, you know, kind of uh, ideology, which I think is a its a really interesting um, philosophy for the video game industry to express, obviously, because it is a very, you know, it's an, it's a, it's an entertainment industry. So um, I'm really interested to see all these different takes on it. Because there's like we've also got like Dustborn and a couple other ones that are really leaning into that sort of leftist ideology. So,
2: I feel like there's been a lot of that in the video game world over the past even decade, right? You know, Mm -hmm. uh, you could make the I mean, people make either argument about Bioshock that it's either a Randian libertarian philosophy or it's a leftist like, um, but then if you're going a little early uh, later. Disco Elysium was oh, very um, much that way. Citizen Sleeper is a game from what was that? La- that was last year, right? That um, you know, not exactly an adventure game, uh, but in the same vein. Well, and I
1: mean, Norco, which was one of your favorites, right, Norco. Josh? That's sort of got got sort of a mm-hmm. very much so. a socialist uh, lean to it a little this bit, a, right. a-
2: attacking the gig economy. Yeah. yeah, this
0: is an interesting conversation to have, one that I would definitely like to, to actually talk about more on a more expanded expanded time. I mean, obviously we can avoid the landmines, but it, it yeah. is kind of interesting that it, the video game industry is is one of those that is either way behind in what's going on around the actual world or right in front of it. There's no right. in between. And and uh, yeah. yeah. So
2: it's interesting yeah, where things are. I'm different.
1: excited to see games with more and more games with big ideas. Because I think that's what's always drawn probably a lot of us as adventure gamers to those types of games. Because they tend to be a little headier and say a little more than other games do. So it's a natural evolution, I think.
2: If they're attracting smart people already because they're they're filling their games full of, you know, difficult puzzles and whatnot, mm-hmm. then, you Might know... Might well say
1: something too,
0: yeah.
2: Yeah, why, why not... <laughs> engage all of our uh, philosophical brains as well
0: yeah. <laughs> and i would just like to say one one quick thing on the way out and send it over to matt is that yeah. i do like the fact that it does have those uh, i wouldn't say undertones almost overtones in this and yet they're doing it in a comical fun type of way yeah, yeah. so that's, right. that's, that's so it's right. such a unique and 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 uh, Fresh breath of air when it comes to, mm-hmm.
3: to to storytelling in general. Matt, you're up. Let's make this round a little
0: bit quicker if we
3: can. Okay. Interrupt though. um Like, did I lose? Con- I'm so tired. Maybe it happened. Did I lose consciousness or did we skip Jeff in this round? Uh, Joshua, I, I told I've you you didn't know who was. Uh, you did do two? Yeah, you, I've done two, yeah. Uh-huh. All right. Oh, no, I didn't. You're right. Ah! Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, you did.
1: didn't. <laughs> My bad. Okay. Well, since I haven't talked enough, obviously, uh, just real (laughs) quick, uh, I'm excited about Star Trek Resurgence, Mm -hmm. um, which uh, is from uh, Dramatic Labs, which is another um, uh, – it's a studio made of former Telltale people. A lot of the biggest uh, Telltale creatives went over to form uh, this new studio, and they're kind of picking up right where Telltale left off. So, um, you know, going back to another big licensed property, Star Trek, obviously – if you guys watch the What's trailer, that? there's even a, a Spock cameo in the trailer, which makes me really excited. Um, if if you've played any Telltale games, you can tell what kind of game it's going to be. So,
2: I've never heard of this Star Star Trek, Star Trek resurgence. So, so it's going to be Star be another... Trek is it? Is that like a? Have they made oh, oh, Star Oh yeah, thing? I
1: think it's so. You know, it's about the Force and okay, I right. you know. <laughs>
2: I That's think really I've heard right. of it. That's the one with the, the big the big hairy guy and the light swords. <laughs> the light swords, yeah. yeah. The one, you know, kissing sisters. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, it's
0: sister In Two different movies. Ah, kid in a back to tank in his underwear. I don't know. So I'm sure you've Probably. done too. I know you did, did too. Cool. Did I really skip you? I apologize. So <laughs> All right, Matt, now it's
2: your turn, buddy. I'm. I'm gonna say, foolish mortals. Um, How dare you? Oh, again. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought you were
3: commenting on our
2: on the fact show. that you all. I mean, you guys are mortal. Me, little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, foolish mortals. It's. It's. Uh, you know. It's a. Looks like an, an. We've used this word so many times, but it's a beautiful game. <laughs> it's got this sort of like uh, this animated style, sort of in the tradition of Broken Sword, mm-hmm. um, the Broken Sword games. Uh, it is a debut game by who's the developer? David Younger, Inklingwood. Right. Yeah, and it, it's their first game ever. It reminds me very much of another recent game, which is Voodoo Detective. Which, uh, it wasn't a perfect game, but I liked it very much, and I especially loved the art style, mm-hmm. and this one, at least in its trailers and its art style, reminds me of it very much, and, uh... Curse of Monkey it,
0: Island-esque art style, it seems.
1: I'd what? say third Monkey
2: Island-esque. Cur- yeah. Curse of Monkey Island, right? Oh, Curse oh, oh, right. Yeah. I thought you
3: said first. So did I. <laughs>
2: Yeah, Curse of Monkey Island desk. I'd, yeah. I'd agree with that. It um, and it looks like it goes some really interesting places.
1: And I think we were talking about this before, but um, it, it's David Younger's first game. But he, before that, he was a theme park designer, and he actually like wrote a textbook on theme park design. And I think you can kind of see that. I think because wasn't Monkey Island the original Monkey Island was also kind of inspired by um, like Disney's Pirates of the Caribbean ride. And stuff like that. So you can definitely see some of the overlap in in styles there. It looks really fun and goofy and uh, dark and scary and all the adjectives.
2: (laughs) It looks like every adjective. All of them.
1: (laughs) You said said something about about overusing beautiful and I just finished that article (laughs) uh, was 10 pages long and i had to come up with so many different adjectives or synonyms for beautiful <laughs>
2: so every time i write a review uh, and we're doing the bullet points at the end i'm just like don't say beautiful don't, don't say, say beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> and then i yeah. find myself typing beautiful and i'm like okay stunning okay, i, I take myself too seriously i think the
0: game looks beautiful I, again i love hand drawn old, old old that style art i
3: just art. love it you well, know it. <laughs> uh, yeah. My next oh, one is a beautiful, beautiful. game. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, Well, it is. Uh, there's no getting around it, and no one will argue with it. Uh, no list of my anticipated games um, would ever be complete without the next game from Amanita Design on it, um, which is Phonopolis in this case. Um, now, Amanita is like, they're like my happy juice. You know, I got to be the worst mood possible, and no matter what game of theirs I play, I just end up feeling... You know it just pulls me out of myself and it's so uplifting, it's so surreal and crazy and zany and stuff that I absolutely love. Uh, if you're not familiar, uh, the Czech studio, they've done Machinarium and Botanicula and the Samaras series. So, but this one, um, sort of like Old Skies, I guess, a little bit, uh, they're, they're playing with their formula, they're making some changes. Um, they're going to 3D, um, dun, dun, dun. and they're gonna have. Like, actual words and voices speaking real things. So, like, they're going to be telling a bit more of a cohesive story than they usually do. But, um, man, oh, it looks so gorgeous. It's, it's like the, the sets are handcrafted and then digitized and stuff like that. Like, you really feel like you're wandering through, um, like, a 3D storybook. So, uh, yeah, I have so high hopes for that game. And, like, we haven't heard much. Like, they announced it. And then there's been radio silence, but that is Amanita's M.O. Like you'll hear nothing, nothing, nothing. And you go, is it in trouble? And then they go, oh, it's coming out next Tuesday. So like, you know, we don't know when it's coming out, but it could be any time. It's the wave of the future, marketing without marketing. Yeah, well, they don't need to because they make great games and, you know.
1: It's interesting that you should call it like their games, your happy juice, because there's another one. With some kind of heavy political themes to it, because yeah. you read the description and it's like, you know, a laborer against an authoritarian government. So, another on, kind of
3: on-message game that I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, Isn't yeah, they, they, they do don't that? necessarily have had. Well, their last one was called what was it called? Happy, happy game, happy or something game. like that. But it was not at all. That was very <laughs> ironic use of the word. But uh, like, no, the, yeah, the subject matters often aren't sort of uplifting, but just the creativity of the worlds and the silly unexpected things that happen is just pull me out of myself. And I just like, I get totally immersed in Amnita's games in a way that I don't with so many more straightforward ones. So really looking forward.
0: They really, really push the, the, the robot robot love in machinarium. And so, you know, <laughs> yeah. they're ahead of their time,
2: <laughs> you know, the art direction I love and I'm really looking forward to this game also Uh, I'm going to take this as an opportunity to evangelize for a studio that I feel is very similar to Amanita and um, this game's art direction really reminds me of which is Cotton Game Studios from, uh, I think they're from Shanghai, they've done the Isoland games and Dad's Monster House and uh, ele- the elevator I think it was called um, but it's still like the, the, the very stark geometric shapes and the heavy black outlines hmm. um, uh, it's like a 3D version of one of those cotton game games and I'm really I'm really looking forward to it it looks amazing <laughs>
3: hashtag not a sponsor
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's not skip unless t- they t- want a sponsor <laughs> well, yeah, please yeah, we'll... <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Come on, Cotton. We'll uh, we'll sing your praises every week. Jeff.
1: Ah, my uh, my turn. Uh, so another game I'm really excited about for um, the third year in a row is uh, <laughs> Julia Minamata's uh, The Crimson Diamond, which I'm sure we're all familiar with. Um, she's been working hard at it for uh, a couple of years now. Uh, it's a, a really beautiful... <laughs> beautiful um, sort of re uh, um, or a nostalgic uh, re-envisioning of uh, Sierra's SCI EGA era of um, text parser based graphic adventures it obviously takes a lot of inspiration from the Laura bow games particularly the Colonel's bequest um, and it looks to have that same sort of um, who done it? Uh, sort of uh, mystery formula. I'm actually a little unclear as to whether it's a murder mystery or not. I think it might just be a a caper, but uh, I'm not sure. It looks it looks very uh, it looks like it'll definitely grab anyone who's a fan of those uh, those kind of late '80s Sierra adventure games, which I am.
0: You said it, she's ha- hard at it. <laughs> she's Sorry, out in, she's out in front of everybody. She is hard at it. And yeah, so she yeah. does a great job in pushing. That's for darn sure. And the game does look great. Yeah,
2: it looks so much like the Colonel's bequest. Mm-hmm. That's that deliberate,
1: I'm... obviously.
2: Yeah, even you know all the all these all the characters that I've seen, even the main character. Yeah, it main character looks like Laura Bow. Cool. There are certain times I see screenshots from the Crimson Diamond that I think I'm looking yeah. at Laura Bow. Yeah, bequest.
1: but it's kind of like Laura Bow as your brain remembers because she still sneaks in a little more detail she kind of cheats it a little bit you know right. it probably wouldn't run on you know uh, an amiga from the late 80s <laughs> or what have you but you know sure. it it's it's a uh, it it stays pretty true to the style and i think um you know it it could be you know if she had like a lot of funding she could probably try and 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 get you know the license for laura bow but why we get the we get the idea you know
0: right Just call her Mara Crow. (laughs) her name
1: Nancy Maple,
0: if I'm not mistaken?
1: I don't, yeah,
2: I don't know.
0: (laughs) Well, mine is going to be one that people may want to fight me over. Is this an adventure game? And to be honest, like, uh, I don't know at this point. We have thought in the past, and we're talking about amnesia here, um, the bunker, it's going to be coming out, we have thought in the past, that Amnesia is very much an adventure. It's a more modern, hybrid-style adventure, because you have your puzzles, you have your exploration and everything. Now, in this game, they're going to be offering an opportunity for us to truly survive, allow ourselves to survive in a survival horror-style uh, style setting. We will have weapons, or weapon. they don't really give us all that much information. They've hmm. done this. They've done a wonderful job marketing this game without telling you what's really going to happen. As in regards to the big thing, the big innovation, the big change of the bunker, and that's that's you can actually fight. You can uh, allegedly. All we know well, is that you can have one it's, weapon. Who's alleging win. though, really?
1: Because. I think the interesting thing that they did in the trailer mm-hmm. was they kind of they kind of psyched you out a little bit. You pull out your gun, you empty your clip, you load it up, and what does the character do? He shoots the lock out. off the door. So I think that that's exactly the kind of ingenuity that the series is known for, you know, where it, it has the cadence of a first-person shooter... Mm-hmm. But it absolutely is a survival horror adventure game. You know, you are solving puzzles, you're investigating, you're uncovering more of the story. And the, the emphasis is not is, is generally not ever on combat. There might be a little more combat in this, I don't know. But I still expect it to be, you know, a sophistication of largely the same formula they've been going with. Which means it will scare the pants off me and it'll probably take me
2: months to actually get through. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Go ahead, Matt. And- I trust them, right? It's not I don't I don't doubt that they're going to make a good game because mm-hmm. they always do, right? But I can't understand how if combat is a part of it, mm-hmm. how would that not ruin the game? Again, I know that it won't because they wouldn't do it if it would, <laughs> but I can't understand how it wouldn't.
0: If we're talking <laughs> theory, you know, if you look at uh, survival horror games in the past, you have something you have a minimum type of items that you can carry okay so do you want to use this or do you want to do you want to run you have one bullet in your gun do you want to shoot this uh this enemy who's coming at you or do you want to instead try to work your way out of the bunker that you're in to and i think that they they can add a little bit more options in there to expand on the gameplay a little bit without making it truly like um a shooter yeah, you know. right. it's, re-
1: it's resource conservation. It's and I think that it adds to that survival mechanic. It's, it is it is still a puzzle. You need to figure out how to get from point A to point B in as few moves as possible, using as few resources as possible. And if you run out of bullets and there's still enemies around, mm-hmm. you're screwed, you know? You've gotten in a, in a classic uh, Sierra-style
2: no-win state, you know? But that's what I'm saying. Wouldn't that then... That would be an entirely different experience than any of the amnesias we've had so far. If you got yourself into a no-win situation, what do you do? Start over...
3: Oh, you reload reloaded an earlier scene.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> there's another innovation in this game, though, not just uh, that it arms you, but there's some emergent gameplay. There's open world, and there's some, I think, procedurally generated elements. This is not um, a, a sort of cohesive... You know, start, middle, finish kind of thing. Um, you know, your experience could be much different than mine. Um, not just in terms of how we approach the be. obstacles, it but the be. obstacles themselves could be different. And the the layout it's it's very labyrinthine. This mm. uh, underground maze, World War One maze, really really cool uh, um, setting by the way. But uh, super cool. So yeah, they're they're making a lot of changes. So I'm you know a little worried, but hoping. Someone
0: yeah. tried to explain to me how and how this is going to be an open world environment like i can't wrap my head around how that's they're going to make that work
1: well i think he means more like the immersive sim elements which are Uh, that more more the sandbox element to it where the world is yours what's around you you can pick up and use how you want to you know
0: but I still don't really use... understand how it can be a, a, a true open world. I, I trust me, I, I believe them. I love how they say word, it like, open
1: world. I think he's talking more about the gameplay that is that open world games are usually known for, no, which well, is they, that sandbox style.
0: They, they trumpet it as a, an open world game, which intrigues the crap out of me. I love that, uh, like that that idea. And they said that everything yeah. will have like forty options to do, and so it's super <laughs> like super neat to me. Go ahead, man. Yeah. I,
1: I think it's cool to see that that sort of immersive sim uh, gameplay style, which has usually been applied more to like the the FPS genre, mm-hmm. which is perfect for the adventure game genre because adventure games are all about finding creative solutions to problems. Mm-hmm. And when you provide the player whatever tools they need to solve these problems, I think it
0: adds for it makes for some really rich gameplay. So, and we'll definitely find that in a, in an Amnesia game and. So now with open world, we'll find a lot more of it. So <laughs> when we were talking about uh, what the upcoming games were uh, accumulating, putting together our master list of all the games that we are are looking forward to, there was a lot of staff members who had mentioned some games that are, that are awfully hybrid. I don't want to go too deep into some of them, but we I will say, you know, like Amnesia is one of those that are considered awfully hybrid. We have like Zelda that's coming up. Some people mentioned like Jedi um New Order is or was it Survivor? Jedi Survivor.
2: Jedi Survivor, yeah. That
0: might be pushing a little bit too much for me, but what do you guys think about some of these these upcoming action adventures? Are they adventures? Like let's be quick about this segment and talk about it r- real quick though.
1: I well, Red done Evil 4, I think, is you know an action adventure hybrid that I would have probably pushed for. Mm-hmm. Uh but you know I, I it's a little more action heavy than its predecessors. So
2: mm-hmm. I'm incredibly looking forward to both Zelda and Jedi survivor. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just played, um, Jedi life. fallen order. Same. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's like a Metroidvania, yep. but 3d, it's sort of like a combination between a Metroidvania and like an uncharted game. Mm-hmm. And it's got a really deep, uh, immersive story. Uh, and a lot of, you know, exploration and discovery. And I feel like that's an adventure. Yeah. Uh, it's got a ton of combat, though, kind of like Dark Souls-style combat. So that's what I'm expecting. I'm expecting more of all that from mm-hmm. Jedi Survivor. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, the Zelda games are just... Uh, Breath of the Wild is obviously a high watermark for video games in general.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Jack. I see. I see your brain moving there.
3: Yeah. No, I know. I can feel it moving too. Um. Yeah. I. I have no problem if people consider these types of games adventure games. Mm-hmm. I don't just because. I mean, when we run a you know a website devoted to adventure games, mm-hmm. you know, sort of genre definitions have to have lines somewhere. Exactly. And I think if it crosses too far over into another defined genre, then it's something I don't consider. So that to me, like Resident Evil Four, Silent Hill Two, like those are sort of quintessential survival horror games. So mm-hmm. I tend not to think of them as uh, adventure games, but they're certainly, you know, related. They're they're adventure adjacent. So again, I got to know as long as there's a degree of puzzles and storytelling and stuff mm-hmm. like that. You know, again, a little bit of action doesn't. Uh, bother me i i guess the one thing the the other thing where i tend to draw the line is like if the action is more interaction just a way to more tangibly engage Mm -hmm. with the game Mm -hmm. then that's still an adventure if a large degree of the challenge comes from the actual action like you need quick reflexes and You know, so like Prince of Persia, the sort of series reboot, Mm -hmm. some of my favorite games of all time, but the combat in those games, like, and amazing puzzles, like, they put a lot of adventure games to shame, Mm -hmm. but the combat is brutal, brutal. So, you know, again, like, I think if we call them adventure games, that's not sort of really you know, doing a service to many adventure game players that aren't used to that kind of stuff. So I tend to shy away. I go, nope, that's an action-adventure, not really an adventure, so. Well, I mean, but we cover them, I got no problem. It
1: is, though, right? It's an action game and it's an adventure game. So. It is, yeah.
0: And I think, uh, you know, we've discussed this a lot. Anything that has the, 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 the holy trinity of, of adventure is, is, in my mind, an adventure until... The primary aspect of that then becomes okay. Is it an action game with adventure qualities? Then it's a, a truly an action action adventure, you know. And so, but definitely, I I am probably as easy as it comes when it comes to my my standard of, of what an adventure is. And we've talked about it many times before. We'll talk about it many times, and and I'm sure we're going to be covering like some of these games on occasion, especially if we're super interested in them. We definitely will. Yeah. So. So, okay, Ooh, we got the games out of our way. This uh, You'll be able to read more about that uh, coming up very shortly. Great. Let's talk about our top five favorite songs. It doesn't have to be right now. It could be all time, however you interpret it. Top five <laughs> favorite songs. We're going to go with Matt again.
2: Start with me again. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. So... Are we going to do one at a time. And yeah, then... we're going
0: to go around the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, cool. Well, I'm going to start with... Um, this is this is for... My top five songs would change mm-hmm. almost daily. Um, but as I was thinking about this today, these are the five that I... I that, you know, leapt into my head. And one of them is uh, Pine Point by the band Pup. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pup is a uh, punk band. Um what they sort of do is they take that that like uh melodic um anthem-y, uh you know mid-2000s emo sound and they start they add they pump it full of that like punk like aggression and speed and and loudness um and so i love the band pup uh and pine point is <laughs> A divergence from that where they slow it down and they have it's it's more of like a uh it's got the same level of loudness and the same level of hmm. all the rest of that stuff but it's got a slower sort of like folky um songwriting quality to it sounds like uh
0: flatfoot 66 uh, almost the almost exact description of yeah the, of that yeah okay jack
3: um yeah first of all i was thrilled when you said this was going to be our top five because this is going to be so so easy five songs (laughs) and i started making the list i went no no it is not (laughs) i mean it's easy to pick five but how do you just pick five you know i i think i made up a list of like 50 i'm going i have no idea which i'm going to pick but um you're also going to notice a certain theme uh in some of mine namely that i don't think any of my Top five are younger than Matt and uh, probably uh, Jeff as well. Joshua, you might squeak in under the wire for some of them. But uh, I mean, my favorite band of all time is the Eagles and my favorite uh, singer songwriter Don Henley. So I got to go with one of their songs. And I wanted to do some obscure B-side tune of theirs, but I couldn't bring myself to go with anything other than Hotel California. It's the (laughs) the classic that I could listen to, you know, every day. So amazing amazing uh writing singing instrumentals everything perfect okay and i think many many would agree with you
0: including uh, including my my mother and my father gosh oh, boy. i was right ra- no 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 they're <laughs> you have no idea how young my, my mother and my father they had oh, okay me, yeah yeah me first when of when all
3: i love your si- parents obviously but when they were uh,
0: 16 years old they, that, they
3: that had- is the last time you make that uh, comparison directly no no
0: no 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 uh, yeah that was wrong my bad <laughs> let's go
1: <laughs> you're up jeff oh uh are we starting at the bottom or the top
0: it doesn't matter it's all
1: five. Okay. Yeah. Really bottom? Okay. Um, okay, well, I'm starting at number five. I put uh, Blue Orchid by The White Stripes. Ooh. Uh, it's, a, it's a crunchy song, just a guitar and bass and vocals. I mean, guitar and uh, drums and vocals. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it rocks really hard, and it reminds me of uh, uh, driving around during my high school days. So. Ooh, okay. Yeah.
0: So, uh, if people... I've talked about this a little bit in the past. I am a a massive, massive punk rock fan. That's why I was happy to see Matt uh, mention. been in punk rock bands for the majority of my life. And then they emerged and they changed as I got older, kind of converted them into like modern folk and that type of thing. So I will go with probably the most inspirational song of all time. Uh, It was it's trusty chords by Hot Water Music. And the thing I, I truly love about Hot Water Music is they—they they are one of the great punk bands. But as they got older, as they got into like their forties, so, and they adjusted their music and made it more more folky, and they went on this folk tour and just the greatest, just some of the greatest stuff that you'll that you'll ever hear comes from uh, comes from those punk gone folk type bands. But this one is one of their punk songs, "Trusty Chords." It's a great one. Look it up. Back to you, Matt. All
2: right, my number four is uh, going to be the song Turnaround by Michael Cronin. It's the uh, first song off of his 2015 album uh, MC3. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's like, you know, Michael Cronin's kind of uh, garage rock indie you know uh, sort of sort of messy but also uh talented right and uh turnaround is just this song that from the very beginning just smashes you in the face it's just it it comes out heavy it stays heavy and uh it's yeah it's very good it's a great way to kick off that album i i can't imagine somebody listening to it and not being immediately swept away
0: hmm sounds like something that'll make you want to go into a mosh pit to me. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's a little gentler than mosh pit music, but yeah, it, it definitely will hype you up.
0: Crunchy as Jeff. I like that description of crunchy. I got to remember that.
2: All right, Jack.
3: Okay. For the record, I'm now over four on having even heard of any of the songs you guys have picked. Oh. And there are probably other, you know, uncultured people like me out there. So I'm going to keep just mentioning some classic rock, uh, Favorites, so uh, my next one is a uh, Boston with uh, more than a feeling. I mean, come on, if
1: karaoke you can't favorites, not, baby, you can't not like that,
3: that is oh, just that's... such a great driving tune, but amazing! Amazing, that's a
0: great.
1: Um, my number uh, four is uh, it was really hard to pick one song by them, but uh, No Quarter by Led Zeppelin. Great. Ah! There's oh, a yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, there's so many great uh, uh, Zeppelin tunes. Uh, obviously, the "Stairway," "Cashmere," um, but uh, "No Quarter." It's just so like spacey, but still kind of heavy and uh, kind of experimental uh, for the time. So, yeah, and it it's still holds up. It's timeless.
3: Have you heard the Page and Plant version where they's kind of a sort of Eastern? um so, yeah you know, the
1: one from like the 90s yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah i think
3: i actually like that one better than their original i was a while a really that i'll have to give it another listen
0: i'll have uh, everyone here know that uh, my second favorite style of music is classic rock it's the way i was raised every single morning probably my favorite band of all time is pink floyd but they're not on the list however i do have uh, the clash bank robber on my list Probably my, my favorite tune by the clash. Matt.
2: Um, I'm gonna go with for my number three, the Ballad of El Goodo by Big Star. It is a n from their nineteen seventy two record, uh, number one record. It's their it's their debut record. Um you know, Big Star was sort of in the whole classic rock world, but a little bit it's uh, it's sort of like they're sort of similar to the Velvet Underground in what that saying that people say about them is like, not everybody has heard of the Velvet Underground, but everybody that has seen the Velvet Underground formed a band. That's the same <laughs> sort of thing with big Star. Is Like uh, they inspired so many bands that were huge in the seventies and eighties and even early nineties, but probably even now, but uh, you know, they are not as famous as any of those fans. Anyway, The Ballad of El Goodo is just an incredible song that's in deeply uplifting and um, one of my favorites by them. All right.
3: Speaking of Pink Floyd, um, I did pick one of them. Um, uh, I'm going to go again. Got to go with the classics uh, with Comfortably Numb. Uh, so, like, The Wall came out. Don't do the math on this, but uh, The Wall came out sort of when I was in my young teens and like I was dark period and dark thoughts and, you know, full emo era and stuff like that. I was just obsessed with that album, like the whole um, album. So I would just listen to it constantly. And but, you know, I could pick half the songs on that album as as a favorite, but you got to go with Comfortably Known
0: man i could still like say, everybody's seen the actual the wall movie right i hope so um, like the i could see it when during the comfortably numb part where he's like shaving off his eyebrows oh, right God. now i could it's see so i i, see it so vividly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I
3: didn't go that far but uh Ooh, hell, it's th- <laughs> i was pretty deep into that sort of whole block out the world stuff like that so. comfortably <laughs> numb
0: was very close to being in my top five you're up jeff
1: uh okay so coincidentally i also have a Pink floyd song um a little older echoes um mm. which that's, uh which one it's, it's hard to pick a number one Pink floyd song but if oh, i yeah. had to go into my head that would be my favorite one
0: echoes it doesn't ring about bell from, uh, from metal huh
1: okay. yeah well i'm it's gonna, gonna be just a great rock psychedelic song it kind of has shades of um of what what they would do later on Dark Side of the Moon,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know. But uh, I I, I kind of prefer that album to Dark Side of the Moon. But
0: well, uh, my next is going to be Nirvana. All apologies when when that one. Uh, gosh, I can't remember how old I was. I was a I was a little boy when that came out, and that just it, I didn't know the words. I think that was like the words were so. His sunburn freezer burn sunburn free as a bird like the, but something about the melodies of just being it, it was so melodic but it none of it made made any sense especially as a as a little boy it just fascinated me as a kid it sounded so good but just truly fascinated me as did anything anything nirvana at the time so all apologies mm-hmm. nirvana
1: and I think that was kind of one of their more like Beatles-esque. It was very like, much Beatles-esque, too. yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. Nah. Um, my number two is uh, a band I just saw last night in Philly, uh, the Union Transfer. Um, it's a band called The Beths. They're another sort of punk rock band, uh, like a pop punk band with some, some indie uh, influences. It's a really young crowd, which was weird. It didn't... I didn't know they were as popular as they were, but they packed Union Transfer and a lot of, like, high school-aged kids, Mm. uh, which was strange. But anyway, the song that I'm picking from them uh, is Expert in a Dying Field, which was their closing (laughs) song, well, before their encore. Kind of like us, right? (laughs) I
3: was thinking, I didn't want to say
2: it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) yeah, I think it's it's thematically appropriate. (laughs) And... uh, it's uh, it's you know one of their very new songs. I, I think it's on the, it's from their upcoming album. Uh, and it's a great, it's a great one. So, uh, "Expert in a Dying Field" by The Beths. The Beths, okay.
3: Okay, my next one is uh, from Queen. And again, I wanted to pick some sort of less known one, like Roll Out Fat Bottom Girls or something like that. But how, how do you not go with Bohemian Rhapsody? I mean, and Freddie Mercury, mm, what a voice. It just amazes me every time. I, like, doesn't matter what the song. I'm just amazed with what he could do with his, his vocals. Mm-hmm.
0: So it did... I had never heard that song prior to Wayne's world as a little boy.
3: (laughs) Yeah. A lot of people
0: came and that was like the number one song in the world for a long time.
3: Yeah. It it made a real rebound.
0: Totally. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Great song. Yeah. Jeff.
1: Uh, My number two. um, Again, I was struggling to go with like a deeper cut because this is one of my all time favorite bands, but I went with a a bigger one, which is uh, the chain by Fleetwood Mac. Mm. Okay. Yeah.
2: Great song. Great uh, song. The song, uh, the song that is in every single big budget movie for the <laughs> Are past you five them? years.
1: <laughs> I okay. Years. I liked it for a very very long time.
2: <laughs> no no no. I believe you. and It's a great song. It's just man. If I. If every director of TV and movies could be banned from using that song for a period of twenty years, I think we'd all be happier.
0: Not me. <laughs> you want to just kind of put it I'll put it on right now. Not me. Let's go. And if you didn't get that, it was not me. Like, <laughs> oh, that was great. Okay, uh, my next one is going to be the Aquabats. Super rad. Oh, such a such a such a fun. My i'm gonna tattle on my sister my sister dated several of the of the aquabats and we were coming up we were, I, I really played, oh i played with them a ton of times it was just one of those uh one of those like local bands that end up being a pretty decently sized and popular popular band and the best song the the most fun is is super rad and uh it was it was a super rad song the aquabats
2: I love that song. I, I bet seeing it live, especially when they were at a local level, would have been. Oh, they've they've uh, always been local level. They're not. They've never been
0: so big to where they've like done large things. But yeah, it's great. I've heard of they, them. So. It, like, <laughs> they have the kids' cartoon. <laughs> they have the kids' cartoon. Yeah, so they're like a play when they when they get on stage. It's like a, a play. They have all these characters that are coming out, acting. Everybody's dancing around. They're beating people up on on the stage. There's a chicken that comes on stage, and they are in costumes. And sm- right? They're in costumes. They smack them into yeah. like the audience, and then the chicken gets blossomed down. You know, passed around. It was it was so so awesome.
1: Wasn't was someone awesome. really famous in that band? Travis Barker from Blink One Eighty Two. Yeah,
0: that, that's it. Yeah, he uh, he was in there for an album one album worth and actually I was at the concert at one of the times when my sister was dating one of them to where uh it was with blink 182 longfellow homegrown and the aquabats it was the day that uh travis barker first started drumming for them because uh, the blink what blink 182's drummer broke his hand or something along the line, or something i can't remember what it was and Travis came in. He was drumming for the Aquabats. Came in for uh, Blink One Eight Two, and then Blink One Eight Two decided to kick Mark or whatever off the whatever wow. his name is. Off the and so it was there for a moment
1: of history. Yeah, Travis. Yeah,
2: yeah that's totally. you know that was the path that set Travis Barker from hanging out with you and your sister to <laughs> well, dating I didn't, I didn't Khloe Travis. Kardashian. Okay.
0: Yeah, no <laughs> kidding, right? He's he is now like the the Kardashian man, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: That make him Kanye West's brother-in-law or something.
0: <laughs> There's so many degrees of Kardashians now. Yeah, so, yeah exactly.
2: That, you're up. A... All right, so my number one um, is going to be a, a song that I can't stop listening to lately. It's uh, the R&B soul singer Solomon Burke. Um, his 2002 record "Don't Give Up on Me" and this the title track "Don't Give Up on Me." It is just a Hmm. soul and heart-wrenching song you can't listen to it without just your heart bursting out of your chest it is everything you want from a soul song he belts it out and sings right to your fucking guts (laughs) it's (laughs) it's a it's a it's an incredible song Solomon burke don't give up on me all right jack
3: Yeah, my last one, um, I'm going to go with uh, John Mellencamp, or I guess John Cougar Mellencamp, was he was still known then. What else would uh, a kid from Toronto pick uh, than a song about the American heartland? And I'm going to go with Pink Houses. I mean, I could pick any number of John Mellencamp songs, but uh, Pink Pink Houses is the one I picked today, anyway. Great song. Jack? Great singer.
0: My mother watches oh come on no no no, 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 no. listen i'm saying Again? My- no 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 so my mother good? watches everything that we put out she watches everything that we put out i guarantee you when she watches this she's like i love that man <laughs> <laughs> well i love her back but, uh, uh, john john cougar mellencamp that's her dude that's her dude. Yeah. love you mom i love you <laughs> all that's right sweet. jeff
1: um for my number one uh uh really hard to pick, and by that I mean it was really hard to not completely flood this list with their songs. My all-time favorite band, the Mars Volta, uh, I picked uh, Wax the Malacra, or Simulacra, as you might pronounce it. Um, They're known for their really long, um, kind of hard rock, progressive rock songs, Uh, but this one is uh, one of their shortest ever. It's like two and a half minutes, as opposed to like 17 minutes, or even one of their songs is like half an hour long. So... Um, if you like kind of like bombastic, like Queen slash Rush slash Led Zeppelin kind of stuff, but want to hear like a modern take on it, I would definitely recommend them.
0: One Ooh. of the great, the great songwriting groups in the last 20 years, I believe. And collectively just incredible, inc- incredible artists. Yeah. So good job on that. And uh, I'm going to go with uh, my last one's going to be Mill and Colin, Bullion. <laughs> you like you like and Matt?
2: Uh, yeah, you know they were one of those. Uh, they were on every compilation CD, every punk rock oh, compilation Epitaph. CD you would get Epitaph. in the '90s and.
0: 90s. Oh man! Yeah, yeah, yeah. is probably like uh, probably my one of the most inspirational non-punk punk bands. So, you know, they were not like the typical what you think of punk. They were like anti-government, anti-all that type of thing, but they were still have. A lot of punk tones to them um i guess you, you could call in modern like pop punk style but maybe a little bit more aggressive than that but yeah, yeah mill and colin bullion just a, a, a fun song just a fun song get you rocking
2: right
1: so you're saying they were sellouts then
0: no never <laughs> once they've had many opportunities many opportunities that to to go to large labels and they've stuck on on epitaph yeah. so, yeah. oh that's, that's a good label, label
2: at this point epitaph is yeah, i mean they're history, still no. independent but yeah. they are they are a pretty big label by, by mm-hmm. now
0: absolutely yeah they've been like ever since like uh the whole rancid pennywise uh bad religion days and so is yeah, that, is that the melvin's label i'm sorry is Over that King's the melvin's is that what you
1: sorry epitaph Who who owns that
2: that is, gosh, what is his name? The Brett Gerwitz ex- from... Brett, from Bad Religion. Brett Gerwitz from Bad Religion. Oh, okay.
1: Well, I, I was mixing it up with the one from uh, um, King Buzzo from the Melvins. I forget what his label's called. Oh, Ipecac. That's it.
0: <laughs> yeah. The other... Uh... <laughs> the other... <laughs> Well, guys, yeah, this was a a whole lot of fun. We went around the room so many different times. We're going to all fall (laughs) down the second this is over. We're spinning. We're dizzy. Everybody, anybody have anything to say on the way out?
3: Great. Nah. (laughs)
0: Jack, do we have anything that we know that's coming out this week on AGH?
3: Oh, I didn't want to tip my hand because it involves a certain writer on staff, but we are going to lead with our review of The Plague Doctor of Whipra on Monday. So, uh, and, you know, if you can't guess, it's that guy in the bottom left corner. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You did a great job. Uh, We'll probably follow that up with a review of Jennifer Wilde. And, yeah, I you know if i can get my acting gear maybe that um, most anticipated um article will be out this week too but who who picked 33 games man it just
0: kept going soon. bigger and bigger and bigger it man wasn't it wasn't me my bad that's I did my not bad pick i did the research
3: Holy on those cow that is a whole lot of prep while <laughs> waiting for me this week but anyway it's coming soon whether it's this week i don't know but it's coming
0: so i'm glad that uh, i'm glad that matt is is doing that I played it. I was gonna review it, and I'll, once I started playing it, I, I told Jack, "I'm like, I just I can't objectively review this because that style is just not my style, and because I don't like the style, it was going to falsely, uh, it was gonna come out bad in my review. So I'm like, please just hand this hand this one off. So I knew I knew that a lot of people liked it. So I'm like. What I'm thinking is way off. Conversely, so.
2: I loved it. So. Hey, Me spoilers.
3: Too. Come on. Oh, you're right. Okay, We don't know how Matt. Yeah,
2: see I how much it, he loved it, a, it a, this week. I loved it, but I gave it a 30, so you'll have to <laughs> check and see why. Wow. It's a hot Ambitious. take, guys. It's
0: super, super adventure game hot take spot anyway yep.
2: to see if I'm lying or not by checking adventuregamehotspot.com. Right. <laughs> so
0: you can find um, us also, go ahead Oh sorry no please Oh I
1: just wanted to say real quick um I just saw that there was some news about um uh Gabriel Knight composer um Robert Holmes releasing another album of uh game themes. Son of so, Sequel it's called Son of mm. Sequel, yeah. So really excited about that. Just wanted to mention that
0: before you signed off. So he'll be going to the basement for another year while, uh, <laughs> while working yeah. on that for, for a year <laughs> straight. I'm sure we're going to be discussing <laughs> that a lot going going forward. So you could find everything that we're talking about at AdventureGameHotspot.com. You'll find our, our podcast there. You'll find all of these articles that we're discussing. Uh, you can find us anywhere where you consume your podcasts on YouTube. All of those places, we, we're, we're all over. Social media. Hey, do us all a favor. Go to our, our Facebook page, and I'll have this in all of the descriptions if you want to give us a, a like. We need to bump that up a little bit. So it's to spread the word on the adventure game genre. And us. Thanks, guys.
3: We Thank you. Yeah, you. it's been fun.
0: All right. Well, we will see you all in the next episode. You guys take care. So long. Bye. Bye.